loved by him. That's who I am. It's good to be loved. It's good to have a good, good father. A lot of people came from homes where they didn't have a good father. Some people have no father. And that makes it doubly difficult because where do they get the impression of God from but a father? See why we need fathers? Yes. We need mothers yes. and we need fathers. Yes. Because we got children coming up and they need the mother and the father. But we have a good, good father. And this good, good father, when my mother and father forsake me, yes. the Lord, the Lord <laughs> yes. will raise him. Yes. We have a good, good father. Amen. Yes. Let us pray real quick. Father, this afternoon, we're just thankful. We're just thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your loving kindness. We're thankful for how you loved us before we loved you, before we even knew you. God, even before we were even formed in our parents' womb, our mother's womb, God, you loved us. Yes, Lord. And you called us. And you desired for us to have relationship with you as a good, good father. We thank you today, God. We thank you for how good you've been to us, better than we've been to ourselves. We thank you for how you blessed us. We thank you for how you blessed us with sound minds. You woke up this morning, God, and you determined in our hearts and in our minds that we would be in the house of fellowship, the house of God, the house of prayer. For in the house of God, in the house of prayer, yes. we find peace. We find joy. We find love. We find fellowship. And we find your presence, for in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures evermore. God, we thank you. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for the food we were able to eat today. We thank you for that roof that was over our heads last night. We thank you, Father, for the, for the, the peaceful dreams we had as we rested last night. As you, as our great shepherd, were ministering to you, were restoring our souls for this day. But this is the day. You say, and we rejoice in it, and we're glad. We thank you, Father, for your word. Bless your word to the hearts of these people in the sanctuary, on Zoom, and on Facebook Live. Bless their hearts. You have already prepared their hearts to receive it. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in the book of Psalm 24, but before we get there, let me just say thank God for another day. Yes. You know, and anybody here looking for a job? Anybody unemployed looking for a job? I'm not unemployed, but I'm looking for a better job. Okay, somebody looking for a better job. I just want to say this. <clears throat> In the kingdom of God, there is no unemployment. Amen. There's always something to do. That's right. There's plenty of work to do. Yes. Sister, uh, Sandy came up here and she preached. I, I really can't sit down. She already preached. You know, and she mentioned that we are moving up the hill to the Beacon Hill. But I want to talk to you this morning or this afternoon about another hill. The psalmist says, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? And as we get ready to leave this place and we're packing up to move to Beacon Hill, we want to take with us 
the impression and the idea that we're not just moving to Beacon Hill, but we want to move to the hill of the Lord today. So I'm going to start with the first verse I want to bring to your attention because anybody know that God wants to use you. Where's those kids? They're still back there at CC and what's their what's brother's name? Baby Lou. Baby Lou. Do you know God wants to use those kids? God wants to use us. How many want to be used by God? Amen. Amen. Some people didn't raise your hand. I'm going to do it, we'll do it one more time. We'll turn around this time. How many want to be used by God? Amen. We all want to be used by God. Yes, there's work to do in the kingdom of God. John 1.46, this is when Jesus was, was, was uh, choosing his disciples. And it says, and I won't read the whole scenario, I want to read one verse. John 1.46, it says, And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Yes. All right, all right. And I want to use for an idea today that we want to be used by God. And the one thing you have to remember, it's not about you being a big preacher. It's not about you winning thousands of souls. It's not about you being an evangelist like Greg Laurie or Billy Graham. It's about you winning the one. One soul. Find one person that you can talk to, that you can mentor, that you can encourage to come and see what the Lord has done for you and come and see about this Jesus that he's talking about. This man, all he did, you don't hear a whole lot about Nathaniel. But when Nathaniel did what Nathaniel could do, and you can do something. You can tell one person, before you leave this life, make sure you tell one. If everyone reach one, if everyone teach one, we'll be all right. Because we want, we do not want to go into heaven alone. Because when you leave this life, you want to have a legacy. Those babies back there are somebody's legacy. What will the legacy be? Will they be saved before they leave this life? And that's my prayer. As I pray, as I see every face in here, I'm looking around the room, and I don't see one face. Is that Angie? Who is that in the back? What's her name? Hi, young lady. I'm, I'm, I'm picking on you because I don't know you. I thought you were someone else. But I, everyone else I know, you're on my list. I pray for you. My prayer for you and for your children is that they be saved. I have three sons. My sons are doing well. They're doing well in life. They have good jobs. But if they didn't have a good job, if they were no more than ditch diggers or, or whatever you can think of, the, the, the lowest of the low as far as life occupations, I wouldn't care if they knew the Lord. Because that's the one thing you do not want to leave this life without knowing is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this lesson here. Because we're looking at a time when the world is lost. This world is in chaos. It is having collection fits. We not only have the war with Ukraine and Russia, now we got Afghanistan going to get the Kurds in uh, Iraq. Yeah, when there's not a war going on somewhere, they'll make a war. But what you're looking at, when you see wars raging around the world, it's because of one thing, it's money. That's all it is. It's about military contracts. That's all. If they don't have some military contract coming, they'll go find somewhere to start a war. That's what's going on right now. 
and you see power struggle. People are looking for things in material. They're looking for things outside. Sex, money, stuff, uh, you name it. Those are things that they're looking for. They're looking for something, but they don't know where to look. They don't know what they're looking for. They're lost. This is what we have to do. We have to make known to the world there's that danger lies ahead without Christ. Not only does danger lie ahead, so there's two messages. We want to let them know there's danger, but there's also refuge. There's a place nearby, not far away, where you can find refuge from the chaos and the nonsense which is leading many to danger, leading them to hell. We as saints have to answer. But what happened? If our gospel is hidden, it's hidden to them that are lost. What is that saying? It's saying that we have the answer, but are we sharing it? Are we telling the lost that I have an answer to your dilemma? When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he wept. This is the shortest verse in the Bible. It says Jesus wept. You know why he wept? Because he looked out over the city and he saw the people and he said they were as sheep that had no shepherd. They were lost. This is a world full of people that are lost. And we have the answer, but we have to take the answer to where this, where, where this problems lie, where the people are. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 53, 6 says what? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the, but the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. The world needs Jesus. Let's show them the way. Find somebody. And they don't have to believe you, but you tell them one thing. Come and see. Yes. I'm going to be looking at the 24th Psalm. 24th Psalm is the is the fourth, is the third part of a trilogy. A trilogy is a, a connected. You know, you know who anybody read the Harry Potter books? Huh? Nobody? There's there's a whole bunch of them. They're all connected, right? This is a trilogy, Psalm 22, 23, and 24, all written by David. They're a trilogy. They're connected, and they're all talking about Jesus. Psalm 22 talks about Jesus as the Lamb slain, the Lamb of God slain for our sins. Psalm 23, we know he's referred to as the great shepherd, Jesus as our shepherd who leads us like sheep. And he accept, you know what it says? It says he leads me. Yeah. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores me. He restores my soul. It says, he leads me in the path of righteousness. The right way to, to walk. The right way to live. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, means what? Death is all around us. Death may be facing us. But it says, I will not fear death. Why? Because he's with me. It says, his rod and staff comfort me. It says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Right. My enemy standing there ready to kill, steal, and destroy. But he's setting the table right there in front of him. Right. Why? Because he's there. I don't have to fear no enemy. The Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in us. We're not worried about the devil. Come on. Come on. But finally, what I want to get to is, is the four, 24th Psalm. And the 24th Psalm is an, is an interesting Psalm. It's the coming of the king. So we know Jesus, he has come, he has become our shepherd, but we know he's coming again. Yes. 
We know it because Jesus said, and he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I come back, I'm going to come back and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us what? He says, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, he said, we will meet the Lord in the air. He's coming back for us himself. He's not sending an angel. He's not sending any saints. He's coming back for us himself, and he's going to take us to be with him forevermore. Amen. Amen. So this 24th Psalm is a responsive psalm. Anybody ever go to a church where you have responsive reading, where you read a verse, then the preacher reads a verse, then you read a verse? This is a responsive psalm. It's a psalm where the people read a certain part of it, and then the, then the leader comes up with a question. And there's four questions in this psalm, and we're going to look at it. And some believe that this psalm was the psalm that they recited when Jesus came in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Amen. So let's look at that text, verses 1 through 10 in the 24th Psalm. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and all is fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? That's the first two questions. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Selah, meaning think about that. Yes. Meditate on that. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up. You everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And here's your third question. Who is the king of glory? Yes, yes. The Lord is the answer. Strong and mighty. The Lord. Mighty in battle. He says it again. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And he repeats the third question. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. This is the Lord of armies. All the angelic armies of heaven. He's the leader of them all. Yes. He says he is the king of glory. Amen. May the Lord have blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. And when we look back at those verses, the king of glory. It starts out in verse 1 and 2. It says, first of all, God owns everything. Right. There's nothing down here that you own. Right. Yeah, you paid money and got it. But it's, everything down here is on loan to us. Yes. God owns everything. The scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All right. He says, and he not only owns the stuff and the world and everything that we have taken out of its resources to make stuff that we have, but it also says he owns us. Yes. The scripture says what? All souls are mine. Yes. And the soul that sinneth will surely die. So it tells us in verse 1, God owns it all. Then it says he established it in the seas and in the waters. He's talking about creation in the beginning of creation when he took the chaos and the darkness and the void that was there and he spoke it into, uh, uh, made it into an orderly situation. When you look up in the sky, what you see up in that sky has been there ever since the beginning of creation. It hasn't moved. The navigators, when they didn't have the the... the uh, technology we have on the seas, they use the stars. They right. use the North Star and they know where they were. Yeah. And they can go anywhere on those seas. That's a, anybody been on a cruise? Yes. You know how much water is out there. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know if they're 
they put me out there on a raft and said, go get yourself home, I'd be, I'd drown. I wouldn't make it because I don't know how to navigate. I don't know anything about that stuff. But he put everything that's up there now has always been there since the beginning. This is the God we're talking about. He owns it all. He established it in the beginning. And he took the chaos and made order in that chaos. Psalm 11, 4 and 5 tells us about the Lord. It says the Lord is in his holy temple. So he made everything. He is the governor of the universe. You know, I was thinking about the Lord today, and I thought about it. You know how big the sun seems to be from up to us because of how close it is and how warm that is. You know the temperature on the sun is that hot? And we get all that light and we get all that heat from the sun. Do you know the sun is a small star? Right. God gave the sun the heat, the light, the energy to that one star. He did the same for billions of other stars. Wait a minute. I've got to wrap my head around this because God made all that. How much power does God have to have to have put that much energy out there in, this, in, the, in the sky? And what, is it, what do we do? We just sit back and look at it. And the stars, and look, I'm going to tell you this and we'll move on. But every time you look at the sky and you see the stars at night and they twinkle, you see, you don't have to see the twinkle. Do you know that twinkle that you see? It didn't, it twinkled thousands of years ago and you're just now seeing it. Because that's how far away it is. Those things have been doing that same twinkling ever since God spoke to it and yeah. said, let there be. And when he said, let there be, they obeyed. Yes. They are there twinkling in obedience to God's word. Yes. All that stuff out there was with his breath. Yes. How big is our God? Yes. And how big is his love for you and his love for me? Oh, I'm getting excited. I don't know about you. Verse 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend? To the hill of the Lord. This is the hill where God abides. This is where the God of the universe is living among men. He's living, he, you know, when they had the Ark of the Covenant, this was a place where God's presence would be seen and he would be placed in the back in the, in the temple. And then it, once a year, the high priest would offer sacrifice of blood. And this is where it was called the, the place of meeting. And this is where God met with men. This God is big. Yes. Obviously, he's big. But he made sure that we knew that he loves us because he made this tent of meeting because he wants to meet with us. Yes. This God who made everything wants to be with us. He wants relationship with us. Yes. But then the question is, who may ascend? Who can go up to this? Because it said in the Psalm 11, 4, it says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. His temple is holy, which means that he's holy, which means that me who is not holy, how do I go to a holy God? Who may ascend? Who is able to go up there? And it tells you, he who has clean hands and who has a pure heart. Okay, stand up everybody here who has clean hands and a pure heart. Stand up. Don't do it because you don't do it. 
Because the scripture tells us that there is none righteous. No, not one. The scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God. Yes. The Bible tells us we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? So what do we need? Well, Romans 3.23 tells us something. It says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then he comes back in Romans 6.23 and he says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God. There's a gift that he is willing to give you. All you have to do is accept it. You don't have to work for this. You don't have to be smarter than everybody else. You don't have to be richer than everybody else. All you have to do is take it. Just take it. Thank you, God. That's good. A clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands is, is, is in response to the idea of your conduct. Your conduct is the things that you do. It's basically the responses and activities of your body. What you do. But conduct is only one thing. Character. Now that's a different thing. That's a pure heart. What is your character? Character is defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. That's your character. When God had, had a conversation with Satan about Job, he tells Satan, he says, have you considered my servant Job? He is a perfect man. He's mature. He is upright. He fears God. Yes. He shuns evil. The devil did not know what God saw. All the devil saw was he's, he had all the stuff. He had riches. He had family. He had friends. He had he, he had a, a, a position in society. That's all the devil can see. The devil cannot see your heart. The devil does not read your mind. Now, so, some people think the devil is the opposite of God. The devil is created by God. The devil is no opposite of God. He was an angel just like all the other angels but fell to earth and now he's down here creating chaos. And he's gonna he's gonna have his day in court one day. Yes, yes. Uh oh. Technology. You don't need it. Technology. Oh, there you go. I'm gonna catch up. Give me one second here. So character, the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So when God was speaking of Job, he was speaking of Job's character. How do we know that? Because when God allowed the devil to take everything away from Job, he took all his money, he took his family, and then he took his health. And all those friends he used to have, well, they, they, nobody's visiting no more. But God knew Job's character. How do we know? Because even after that, the scripture tells us what? In all that, Job never cursed God. It said he never lost his integrity. Because God, and God knew that before he had this conversation with the devil. To tell him, that, have you considered my servant Job? God looked at the heart. God knew what was in Job. He knew that if you take everything from him, God knew that Job worshiped him and yes. not stuff. Right. All right. Yes. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, old man. We're talking about character here. We're talking about conduct here. Old man, what is good? 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do what? Justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. So this king of glory desires for us to be saved. Why? He tells us in that verse 5, he says he wants to bless us and he wants to have relationship with us. God, listen, our God is not like these other gods and these other religions. Our God wants to have relationship. He wants to be with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to meet us where we are. He's not telling you to stop doing your dirty stuff. He said, just come to me. Come. Come as you are. He didn't say stop smoking and drinking and fornicating and all the things you might be doing in life. He didn't say that. He just said come. That's all. He'll deal with all that later. You just stop and come. Trust him. He did all this for us. Jesus didn't die just to die. He didn't do all, he didn't go through all that just for, just for fun. He did that because of sin. And we had a problem. And Jesus' death paid the price for the problem. Yes. Because there was no other currency, enough money, no gold, no silver. None of that was enough to pay for one soul. One. Right. The scripture says, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own only soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, he's saying that all the stuff all the world has is not enough to purchase one soul. There was one currency that was enough to purchase everybody's. That's right. Yeah. Jesus, precious blood. Yes. All those animals that were killed in the Old Testament, the whole sacrificial system, all those thousands of animals, blood was shed all those priests, when they finished the day's work, were bloody, blood all over them because they had to pour the blood over the altar to, to atone for sin. And then Jesus came along. And John the Baptist would look at him and say, Behold the Lamb of God. Who, he's not covering sin up. He's taking sin away. He took sin and he says he put as far away. How far away? As the heavens are high, he has cast our sins away from us. Now that's love. That's love. This, this king of glory wants us to be saved. But we want to be ready to go out there and bring others to the Lord. How can we get them to come and see? Come and see this king of glory. The one that saved us. How can we get it? First of all, we got to start with ourselves. No. We got to get our hands clean. Right. We got to wash our hearts and our hands. Have Hebrews 12, 1b and 2a. Just so Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, let us lay aside. Lay aside. Because he's talking about running a race. And when you run race, there's any track people here, you know that to get your legs ready to run, you exercise, but you put the ankle weights on, and then you walk around and you run with them so that when the race time comes, you take the weights off. Yes. You don't run with the weights. The weights were to prepare you for the race. But once that happens, you take them off. He said, take them off. Prepare for this race. Lay aside those weights. And the sin that so easily besets us, which means what? It slows us down. You don't want nothing to slow you down. 
We're in a race. Who are you racing against? Yourself. Yourself. <laughs> You're racing against yourself. Why well, I said it? Because remember, we have two natures. When we're born again, we're born with a new nature. We're born with the first nature from our mother. We're born from above, from God. But there's two natures, and they both want to win. They both want to stand out front with the chest stuck out. And you have to decide which one wins. The one that wins is the one you feed. You feed the new man, he will win. You feed him how? You give him the word. You study God's word. You stay in fellowship with God. You commune with God. You stay with the saints because the saints will encourage you. The saints will pray for you. The saints will give you what you need. There's times when you're weak. There's times when I'm weak. When I'm weak, I need help. There's times when you're going to be weak. You're going to need some help. That's why we can't let ourselves. The devil is a liar. And he does not want people in church because if they stay in church, they'll stay strong. Because remember, you used to be a part of his kingdom. But you did, you know what you did? You jumped ship. You jumped ship and you jumped on the other side. And when you came on the other side, when you came on God's side, when you came next to Jesus, you became a threat to him. He don't want you in church. He, he wants you out there thinking, oh, I don't need church. I don't need the saints. I, don't need, I know God. And, and I, I love this one. God knows my heart. That's true. He knows your heart. And he's not fooled. Somebody said you can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool all the people some of the time, but you can't fool God. You can't fool God no none of the time. But this, this scripture says, laying aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets us, let us run with patience the race that says for looking unto Jesus. Yes, yes. Looking forward. This is why we are here. Because we're looking unto Jesus and we're looking ahead. We're getting ready to move because God is moving us. He asked the question, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? How many want to ascend to the hill of the Lord? Because we're getting ready to ascend. Next week we'll be ascending. We'll be on Beacon Hill next year. Next year. Amen. So how can we get them to come and see this King of Glory? Invite somebody. Invite them to church. You're here today because somebody invited you. Somebody you, you know you know that they came to invite somebody. If you know the Lord, you want somebody else to know the Lord you know. Amen. 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 So we we gotta wash our hands. Why we wash our hands? Look at what my, uh, Matthew 9:37 says. Uh, then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we wash our hands so we can go get our hands dirty. Get out in the labor, in the field. Amen. Amen. So invite somebody to come and see if everybody reaches one. Just one person. Sometimes you parents, just your children. Reach those children. Teach those children who God is. But let them see. First they got to see what you're made of though. What are you about? That's what they're going to see first. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed. I'm looking. At the, now, this Matthew 5, 8, this is amplified. It says, blessed. That word blessed means happy. Why are you happy? Because blessed, anticipating God's presence. That's what makes you happy. 
Anticipating God's presence, all souls who spiritually mature are the pure in heart. The pure in heart. Those with integrity. We're talking about integrity with Job. Remember that? Moral courage and godly character. They're blessed. Why? For they shall see God. And share your faith. John 1 43. This was the scripture we started with. And I'm going to read you the, the, the episode here. This is when Jesus is, is choosing his disciples. 40, John 1, 43 to 46 is the following day. Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. You see what's happening here? Jesus finds one. That one goes and finds somebody else, and then he finds somebody else, and they go find somebody else. That's how this works. Yeah. Somebody found you. Now you got to go find somebody else. All right. Philip found Nathan and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth. You want to know where everybody is looking for? They're looking for Jesus. Everybody's looking for Jesus, they just don't know it. We're looking for something in life, but we don't know what it is. We don't know where to look because we don't know what we're looking for. We're looking for it all. We're trying to go in politics. We get the right president, everything will be fine, right? No, because every time some president is president, then half the country don't want him. The same thing with the governor. You get the right governor, then the state will be fixed, right? No. Because then you can't fix problems that are not out there. The problem is not out there. That's right. The problem is in here. We need, we need heart transplants. Yeah. We need a surgeon to fix the heart. Yeah. But there's only one surgeon can fix that heart, and that's the Lord. Yeah. Because the surgeons in the hospital, they fix the natural heart, but God fixes them the spiritual heart, yeah. the real you. You need a surgeon to fix it. You ain't going to find it out there. Forget about the president. You want to vote. I do want you to go and make sure you're a part of the process, but don't have no expectation that they're going to fix the problem. The problem, you, if, if they don't have a problem over here, they're going to find another one over here. Let them see what you're made of. Share your faith. Philip found a banner and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, Nash, and Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth was this little dirty town, a little no-name town in Israel. Nobody famous came out of Nazareth. You know where I'm from? Compton. Straight out. I'm straight out of Compton. And I and I wasn't I, I, I was in Compton and I wasn't there I, I wasn't no nice kid in Compton. There was a lot of nice kids. I wasn't one of them. I came straight out of Compton. I was born in LA. I was there two years, moved to Compton. I was there 18 years until I met my wife. Then we moved to San Francisco. Then we moved back to Compton, bought our first house in Compton, four blocks from where I grew up. Can anything good come out of Compton? Can any what where are you guys from? Open Logie or whatever he said. <laughs> can anything good, nothing good can come out, but God can take that which is not good and make it good. That's him. That's him. 
Praise God. Yes, amen. Show somebody the way to the King of Glory. Can we persuade men or stand? Can we persuade men to simply come and see? We ain't trying to we ain't trying to brainwash anybody. We're not trying to get people to, to, to uh, 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 believe it because I believe it. We want people to see what we see. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You don't beat them over here with the Bible. Right. You don't walk around the Bible and talk about the, the, you know, no. You, one thing you can do is live the life in front of them. That's right. Show them Jesus in you. Show them the love of Christ. Show them compassion. Show them understanding, listening. Show them that Jesus is good. God is good. Yes, he is. And God is love. And they are not going to see your God until they see your God in you first. Isaiah 1.18 says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they should be as wool. What's he saying? He's saying that sinfulness that's in you can be changed and white as snow and holiness can come out of you. Ephesians 4.15 says what? Speaking the truth in love. The question is again, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? We have access to the hill. Hebrews 4.16 says we what? Come boldly to the throne that we might find mercy and find grace enough in time of need. Let's bring a friend. Bring a loved one. Bring a stranger. Bring somebody. Yes. Bring somebody. Let him come and see. What do we want them to see? We want to see them to see this man from Galilee. Yes. See how, how marvelous he is. See that he's good and kind. Yes. Show them that he's the great I am. The great I am just means that he is what you need him to be at the time. Whatever you need, he's that. He's your provider. You're here. He's your peace. He's your righteousness. He's the light in dark places. He's the one who knows me, sees me, and yet he still loves me. Yes, he does. That's saying something. I don't know about you, but when, when I think about God loving me, because you don't know me. I, you, you know yourself. You know yourself, right? right? You think you're all that? No. But he loves you. He is the king of glory. Come and see. God bless you.